Hi everyone, it's Joakim Akhven, your host of the Elite Game Developers Podcast. Podcast about the entrepreneurs and investors who are building the games companies of the future. Today I'm meeting up with Stella Wang. Stella is co-founder and CEO of Dazzle Rocks, a Helsinki-based mobile gaming startup. Stella has been in the game industry for several years, and she has a lot of interesting stories to share with us. So, pleasure to have you, Stella, on the podcast. Uh, Let's start off with this, like, simple question of how did you make your way into the game industry and eventually to found Dazzle Rocks? Well, we, as you know, that I was not originally born here or raised here. So, actually, Rovia recruited me uh, from USA. So, I joined Rovia quite early uh, in 2011. Um, so that was actually the time I started my game industry. Before that, I was more in advertising, uh, working as a creative directions. Um, so that was actually the starting point. And the reason that we, Jonas and I, we decided to start our company was a game has been a very interesting topic. As most users, they they saw the game just on the the, the graphic part, the experience part. The game as actually uh, as a company as a service, you have a lot of. Um, uh, uh, thinking about monetizations, user acquisition, a lot of different things that you can puzzle. And what I like about game industry is that there's no existing uh, business model. There are a lot of things that you can innovate and actually progress to it. That's cool. Did, did you guys like meet at Rovio? How did it? How did your kind of like founding story happen? So we actually uh, we almost worked together for ten years. <laughs> Wow. So, uh, so we we actually met in uh, uh, Stockholm, and we were trying to start a company. Uh, that was like 2009 when App Store started to happening. So we were helping, uh, be- basically doing a lot of uh, R and D project to help company transition from uh, traditional media to di- digital media. Then we were pitching to different conference. Then Rovio spotted us, saying that they need an R and D team. So that's how we got recruited. Um, so basically, Jonas and I was very entrepreneur mindset before we joined Rovio. And we kind of um, work our way as a kind of swap team in the sense that when the company was not as, as big, we kind of did the project from negotiation table all the way to market. Um, so that's basically how we work together. And in Rovio, I was a product owner. Uh, Jonas was a project and tech lead. So we have been working in Rovio time and also the cur- uh, current company time. So it's almost around 10 years. Wow. That's a really interesting founder story of you guys doing stuff together for such a long time. Yeah. Did, did you together pick the first game that you're going to make when you started Dazzle Rocks? Well, the story was really interesting. So uh, one note about that, because we worked together for so long. So sometimes when we have a different agreement, a little bit argument, the team always think that we're like brother and sister, the cat fight because we know each other for too long. But the, but the good thing is uh, we never hold uh, any grudge and the next day is a new day. So back to uh, like, how do we start the first game? Actually, it was uh, Jonas started with his uh, 2D uh, prototype and, I, and he showed it to me when I was in Rovio and he was like, uh, he's very exciting about this. And I look at the graph, I was like, dude, this is too ugly. <laughs> so that's a, that's a point. That I was like, why don't we start a company that we, we never actually finish? And he was like, that's a good idea. So it was um, actually a couple boxes in 2D. 
So the company actually started with, uh, in the beginning, was just a 2D game with a runner. Um, actually, we quickly see the 3D, it's on the rise. And then we feel that as a company, we should probably start the ground on 3D. So, and in the beginning, we, we have a vision that we want to uh, uh, build games for uh, social generations that player can play together. So the runner was actually synchronized so you can play with other players as well. So we always have ambitions that uh, the game's built for social generation. And also we want to make sure that West and East are uh, the teller, the kind of portfolio for West and East market. So that was the starting point. Um, and then during the journey of the co company, we did a couple of prototypes. And then we kind of see what would be the unique to the market. And then we made a decision out of that. Oh, nice. Did, did you guys like, like going into kind of like your operating model? Do you, do you prefer to work on one game at a time or do you have like several, several in the, in the pipeline at the same time? Um, we are a really small team. And we have like kind of a extreme focus on one game. Um, the current game we are working on is a social MMO is quite ambitious. So all our efforts actually focus on this one game. However, we do see that ourselves not only one game company. So we did have using the same tech platform and the uh, the art pipeline to create some prototype. But that's kind of like a backlog that we can always revisit. Uh, that if we want to build the expansions and if the team wants to scale. So uh, we are focused on one game, but then there's kind of a, in our pocket there are a couple of prototypes that we have in our hand. Yeah. Where, where do you see the opportunities in, in being a small company? Like you guys are, I think, less than 10 people, right? So oh, is, there, yeah. is, there, is there kind of like a clear, clear thing that you guys see that you can, you can do more effectively? So we are 14 people right now. And of course, we started with the two founder. Um, and I think one of the best part and also the, the great part is when you're 14 people, it feels more like a family. And, you know, as a startup, I mean, Yonki, you have started your own company. You know that every day is now rose and, you know, spring. It's pretty tough role. So basically, you kind of build this kind of trust and also build this kind of working relationship with the 14 people that people can take multiple disciplines when the product or the company is needed. So basically, as a small startup, I think the benefit was um, people are not specialized, but people are kind of taking whatever needed to make it happen. And that creates pretty, pretty strong uh, company culture. So I do see the benefit that when you try to break through, if you think about the starting a company, not only the product needs to success, but you also need to think about uh, how the team work together and how we are able to expand. So basically these 14 people, they carried the original culture. They also carried the, the, the concept about, okay, we have a problem we need to solve. So it doesn't matter if you're artist or tech, we are going to test it together and find out a solution together. So that's actually a benefit of being a small company. Do you see like, because you've been hiring people uh, in, in Helsinki area, yeah. uh, do, you, do you have an approach to finding the best people? What's kind of like the process? Has it changed over time? How do you see that? Well, in a really early stage, I because um, I've been in the big company and small company, in early stage, uh, we kind of try to define what is the best people for a startup. 
Um, for some company, best people meaning the resume of experience. But for startup, we feel that the best people is the people who are willing to learn more and they're passionate to do something. And also they are uh, able to uh, face the uh, challenge and able to solve around it. So in a really early stage, we because we, we start with me and Jonas and Alexander. So uh, I think at that time, the senior function was enough. So we actually uh, hire a lot of uh, uh, people who is young and passionate, a little bit junior, but they have the interest in certain area. And we grow them to multiple disciplines. Because in the mobile game industry, I think that even though a lot of people consider themselves as a senior, but it's not mobile, it's a still very young industry. So we are looking for people that uh, they have more um, tolerance to challenge themselves, but also uh, really open to learn things. So we actually, I'm very glad to say that half of, uh, mo most of our uh, 14 people team, half of them have been with us for uh, around like three years. The other half have been very solid two years. So basically this period of time, we, we kind of challenge them to take more responsibility and also challenge them on different new tasks to train them to be uh, the future leader of our team. Oh, that's cool. That's like, I actually talked with one of your investors and he told me to ask you about how do you guys develop the skills internally? Like, do you have a process for that? Well, I think <laughs> to be really quite, quite open that I think one of the key things I realized was we didn't have a particular title about game designer, producer, like the traditional role in the company. We kind of, uh, we have people who design economic, we have tech and art, but we, we kind of break down the company into feature team, which means that we, let's say this release, we have a couple of the KPI we want to hit. Um, each feature team, they're responsible for something and the feature team consists of tech and art then basically they need to design together and they need to propose that this is their solution to the visions. And then we verify that. So in that sense, everybody have a saying, but also the team are small enough in the future team that they can have the debate between themselves. Um, so that's how we develop uh, the skill. But I have to tell you that it's not always easy because challenging people to take uh, their uncomfortable zone, it's not, not easy. So. I do remember that sometime we we bring this uh, task to the team and the team was like, oh, I've never done it before. And I was like, yes, yes, you can, you can do it. Now we're going to help. We're going to support you. So it's a tough path that me and Jonas choose. But when we look back, um, instead of instead of the responsibility of producer to actually time box their project, or instead of the game designer to design a book, the whole team is actually taking the responsibility of that. So that's our approach. And in the sense that we are also prepared for the growth, let's say if we are going to increase a couple more people, I'm pretty confident our core team is able to share the culture, how we do things with other people, and also able to voice out their opinions um, when we actually have more people in the team. So that's actually how we grow that. Of course, we, we as a startup, you always have juggle with uh, funding uh, challenge and that's why you definitely need more people are more solution oriented in the team yeah like if you would double the team do you think that you can keep the control like control of you know how the culture develops or 
are you very kind of like dynamic in that sense that the culture will go where it goes as you bring on new people? Um, so this is actually a, a very interesting topic. Recently, when we were thinking about hiring new new people, my question to some of the key member who actually, for example, leading or leading tech, I asked them that, what do you think we need? Uh, the personality type and also skill set type. And I want to give them an opportunity to kind of look into their workflow and see where they want to grow and also making sure that they have themselves knowing that six months, one year, where they want to be, what kind of a complementary partner they're looking for. So when I was actually discussed a couple of roles we are mentioning, I was really happily glad that not only they talk about the skill they need, but they can also point out the personality that they don't want or they, they, they would like to have. So a couple of uh, things that our team was mentioning that the team work really well together. There's no... Uh, different between your senior or your better. So they want to have much more uh, team-oriented and also able to listen to feedback. And um, so these are the traits that they they know themselves in working the company and they can see this is what we need as a team. They will also have concern that if we have new people, would they change the dynamic and all the things. So during that conversation, I was positively feeling that the past two and three years that all the people who have been with us know the culture uh, by their heart, even though they probably cannot uh, mention key points, what's our culture, but they know what kind of people they want to work with. So I would say that when we are uh, increasing our team, I have pretty much confidence on what our team uh, uh, would like to see on the new people and how would they influence the new people as well. So right, uh, I feel that, that quite, uh, that's quite solid feedback on our team. Do you bring in the team into like discussion when you're talking about the the roadmap for the company? Like how how do you make decisions based on the plan and the future? We we used to Jonas and I we used to be quite hands on, but then the past one two years, every year we told ourselves uh, there's an objective that we know we need to learn how to let go. So uh, right now we are, for example, we still have the high vision because. The, the, the product market fit is something that we want to tackle down. But with the roadmap and also looking at the uh, games, for example, we, we use a lot of playtest cloud to actually see how player play. So when we actually looking uh, to the playtest cloud, the whole team look at it and they, they write feedback what they want to change. And on the roadmap level, we have an objective what we want to do. So we included uh, uh, someone represented from R, someone represented from tech, and also economic designer in the discussion as a smaller group. But when we have the vision, we show it to the team to have feedback. And they can actually voice out that, hey, this is not the priority I think we should do, or this is not the feature that I feel we have it at this moment, then we can't do the iterated changes. So there's no set goal that I said, this is what we go. But of course, too many people involved decisions are chaotic. So we set the uh, baseline and we have the team feedback to it. And the most important thing about that was because we have feature owner team. So basically they need to commit it and they also need to agree what they want to do in order to produce the best outcome. So that's, that's where we are right now. Yeah. That's awesome. I want to talk a bit about like the way that you've been working with your investors and, and ra- fundraising in general 
do you have like an approach of how you like how you select the investors you want to want to work with like it's a long-term relationship anyway so do you have sort of certain criteria in mind when you usually look at like okay we're gonna go and do a, a pitch uh what do you well, think about that area i think if i look like in the past few years um we definitely was totally a newbie when we started but yeah. we kind of learned our lessons in a hard and soft way so in the beginning before we started the company we look at the best company we'll go to crunch base to see who investing them and then we list down for example in early stage you have an initial capital and a vp and jonas and i we have a goal for ourselves if we pitch to one of them and and all this kind of game oriented vc if none of them like what we're talking about probably it's a faith that we, this is not for us so we, we gave us quite high bar that uh, want to focus on as we know that even though we have passion to do what we want to do but we definitely need experience vc for the early stage is especially in game to guide us through so uh we were really lucky to to get invested by initial capital and sisu so that was a good starting point um but most people thought that you raise the first round then you're you're done <laughs> that's actually uh, urban myth um, we we afterward we we kind of thought that this game vc will bring us more network they they did and they also bring a lot of new name but actually it's the founder's job to uh to actually define the pitch to find the right target and also founder's job to uh go to the crowd and meet the right people so um i think last year we start to kind of uh um cross reference we basically did month like at least 100 version of uh, keynotes and but we basically every time when we have meeting with someone we kind of take note that what do they want to know and also what 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 happened so in the beginning i actually have the same pitch to everybody but afterward i actually have like for example i have a 70 page of keynotes but i jumped the, the slides depending on if this is um game focus VC, product focus, or this is more business model VC. So I kind of tailor-made the pitch based on who I met. And this is a lot of hard lessons we learned during the early time. So I would say that we in, we did the first step right to challenge ourselves to pitch to the, the game focus uh, early investors because they also have the best part about them is because they have portfolio of other company where you can always ask questions and also ask for feedback and seeing their path closely. So that was a really good learning experience. The next stage, we're still focusing on people who is who have invested in games and also able to have a little bit different approach on that. So in our uh, financial, we, we have been always looking for VC that um, has to advertise for games uh, because we know that we are still quite early. So we definitely want the people who have experience too to take us to next stage. How do you guys work to build the best relationships with your investors? Well, we, I didn't know, as I said, I have a funny story to tell you. You know that um, when you search LinkedIn too much, they will block you. <laughs> so so I, I, of course, you got introduction by your own VC, but it's also your job to find, there are so many new funds happening. There are so many angel investors and there is not only Nordic, Europe and also USA. So the past one year, I did very intense search on LinkedIn 
And then um, they actually asked me, I already have a premium account, but they asked me to upgrade to uh, HR because they thought that I was hiring people. <laughs> so, so I did a lot of cross-reference like to understanding um, what are the VC investing in certain game and what kind of portfolio they have invested and why. So I kind of do my analysis. And um, uh, if, uh, if my account got blocked, I use Jonas' account. So, so that's, uh, that's basically, we, we, we look into a lot of VC that what we, we try to uh, work for, but also look at their history and why bring them to the games to, to understand better. So for example, I followed a lot of new news. And then when there's a new fund, we start to do the search on that. And then we have a long list of people. Sometimes I drop them an email on LinkedIn. Sometimes I ask the, the network that people know any of them and introduce them to us. So that's how we kind of prepare our homework on that. Yeah. Like thinking about being a, a company that's raising funds and you guys are in the growth stage, definitely there with launching launching a, a game soon. What is kind of like, what do you think is the right time to, to kind of pour the fuel on the fire, like do a, a really big venture capital investment round? Mm-hmm. I, think, mm, I think we have been a, a startup, like a more garage style, that we, we have never had enough funding, uh, which I think the benefit of that is uh, you make the company and team work smarter and more agile. But of course, we don't always have the luxury to um, have enough runway to think through. So when we actually thinking about financial round, I think one of the best thing right now was um, we are in the pre-market product, but we checkbox a lot of the risk profile. For example, we, when we developed the game in three months, we already put them in the market testing. So the whole team is actually on more, um, every three weeks we have new release to iterate the games. So basically, we can see our metrics and also we can see how players behave through our uh, games. And right now, we feel that the best timing was uh, when we actually do certain uh, uh, prime country in the West. And when we have hit the target that we want to hit, that will be the right time for a big funding. But that's also a counter, like what is enough funding to actually do the big pour for that? Because I see a lot of companies, they made a mistake when they get a lot of funding. They maybe put too much on the market without realizing what they are trying to aim for. So basically, what, what this year, our focus is not only on the uh, uh, player metric, but also seeing that, hey, how can we get the cheaper user? How can we actually retain them? And how our live operation can boost up so we don't need to, to actually pour so much funding. Once that is actually have a formula that we're confident about, then that's the moment that we can be confident to the future VC, hey, this is how much we want to raise. As you're now building kind of like a, the company and you're, you're talking with the investors, like what kind of like, how do you see that you're spending time with new investors versus your, your existing investors? Is there a, a good way to build that kind of like bridge between them and kind of like getting getting the next round to happen. How do you see that area happening? Well, um, that's also one lesson I started learning that if you need money and then you start talking to VC, that's too late. So yeah. basically, um, basically the the past uh, big conference, 
my target has always been meeting the VC that in the near future that they have an interesting investment, but also meeting for the future VC. One of the VC we met uh, during GDC, they're really well known in USA. And, and the first sentence, we, I was very honest, and we're too early, but I just want to show you what we are working on, etc. So basically that's meeting the future VCs probably 10, 20% time. Um, it's always good for them to know that you exist instead of coming to them very last minute. Um, but then in, with our current VC, I have pretty good relationship with uh, our chairman and also the uh, our initial capital. Basically I update them every time when I have a news or challenge. Uh, we don't have this kind of accumulate update for three months and then do one time because we were still on the uh, growing stage, uh, from startup stage. So I basically uh, uh, share with them and also if I have a little bit concern about things, I email them or text them, hey, this is something that we are a bit stuck with. What's your feedback? So with our current VC, I have been a little bit more on a frequent update rather than a bigger chunk update. In a future VC, we... We, kind, we, for example, currently we are in the middle of closing around. We are actually updating them every two weeks. Hey, this is what happened. So they don't feel that uh, it's not in silence. But this is also uh, one of our, our chairman always said that raising funding is art and science. You really need to know the other person to tell them how frequent, how much update you need to do. And that's something that I'm trying out and find the best formula. And also, I think the next stage, one thing we need to think, it's uh, there are different investors come from different backgrounds. Um, how do you find a mutual way to update? And how do you make sure they all have a conversation? So this is something that I'm still juggling around. <laughs> but uh, the good thing is try different possible solutions and then see what echo from them. That's awesome. Like been working with so many investors myself uh there's usually like a different kind of cadence of how much attention they bring uh themselves and how much you need to pull them in so uh it really depends on the person but yeah updates are definitely important um, and i also find one thing it's um knowing your strength of your vc it's actually really important because some of them are really operational hiring like uh, experience. Some of them are very legal and company structure. Uh, some of them are much more about uh, how to metric and other things. So if you kind of know what's their strength and what's their interest level, it's easier to build that connections and they will be more helpful on, on that side. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, let's talk about the games market a bit. Like mm -hmm. how do you see, because you guys do, uh, deal in the, the mobile game space. How do you see the competition there? And like, do you have any special approaches into your go-to-market strategy? So um, I think the interesting thing is uh, all the time when we talk to mobile space, everybody have uh, one sentence, really crowded, it's very competitive. But I, I do believe that optimistic as a founder, when you always need to believe that there's always a blue ocean. There's always a space that people are under discover. So basically, for example, that one of the things we, we saw, for example, the Fortnite and also the, a lot of multiple player game, hardcore games, we, we have been always thinking that if you have a hardcore doing multiple player and focus on social interactions, 
how about more casual and mid-core entries, the opposite side spectrum. So basically when we look in the market, we always see what's rising, what's hot, but also thinking that, hey, what are the same area that was not filled? So this is the starting point when we think about the games that we want to do. Um, regarding the business model, as I said, that when we started the, the, the mobile game company, one of the most attractive for me was um, there's no existing business model. Things have been changing. For example, Apple just have the uh, Apple Arcade and things will change again. So I would say that um, we yeah, the first fundamental is you need to know what's your blue ocean strategy. You focus on those strategies as a baseline. And then you're always looking to the market change, what you can do. So another session we're going to have with the team was uh, to discuss about this Apple new strategy, what will impact us. But we are not going to tell them our strategy because of that, but we are actually able to react to the changes. Oh, that's awesome. That's really an interesting angle to have the the blue ocean strategy in in basically your day-to-day work kind of in the back of your minds do you see that there's anything in the game industry at the moment that you'd want to change i think um, i i think that there's probably a couple of things that we really like to work with the game um focus vc because that brings us to the the next stage but i also know that one of the downside of some game uh, uh, investments is because themselves a gamer. And typically, if you call yourself a gamer, you're a hardcore gamer. And that the problem is, if you look at the whole market, the hardcore gamer uh, are quite niche and they're very competitive in KPI, uh, in the, uh, the user acquisition. There's actually the bigger market out there that I think one of the key challenges and uh, what well, this, um, uh, venture background people who has a game experience have able to open up for more appetite. Um, because I do see a lot of uh, studio trying to do blue ocean like us, toggling different things. But the challenge is having hard time to show the potential because the people you talk to, they are a core as uh, by heart. So that's actually one thing I see be challenging on that side. The other thing how I see is um, I do see the, the, the whole games become even more cross-platform. Originally, people would say that we are mobile first and everything, but now it's a very cross-platform. So I think one of the challenges is how you as a company, you can adopt to the platform, but have tailor-made uh, monetization strategy and make it work. So I see that's the two things that um, still need room to improve. And also uh, people need to have a bit of open mind to see the opportunity. No. That's great. Like the the whole cross-platform thing is something that everybody's been talking about for ages. I think it's always two platforms that, you know, could coexist. Yeah. But it seems that it's finally getting there because of like bandwidth is now everywhere available. So I actually heard one, I, I was speaking to one of the big Asian um, publishing company. And one of the new strategies was very interesting that it used to be uh, you do games um, and then you do mobile game, you do PC games, you separate things. But now one of their new strategies is to look for the best PC game and port them to mobile. And, and, then, and then that's actually quite new that I heard this year. So the interesting thing is um, how you, as a, doesn't matter where you start, uh, 
you need to think that the possibility in different platform, especially if you have a game uh, focus more game as a service rather than more hyper casual. If you have opportunity to grow fan base, then that kind of cross platform um, strategy is needed. But then the challenge is how do you actually make the operation able to tailor made to have different live event and monetization model because they all serve different purposes. So I guess that's something that eventually someone need to crack it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's interesting times for sure. Yeah. Hey, let's go into the, the final question section. So okay. tell me, what is your favorite book and why? Well, we, we, when I saw that question, I was actually thinking that I read a lot of books, but then there's one book I stuck in my mind and it's a really hard book for an entrepreneur to read. It's called The Hard Things About Hard Things. Yes, I know um, that one. Yeah, I have to say that um, it, it's really funny because before I started a company, um, I was reading a lot of the art book and user experiences, something more delightful, a lot more picture. But after I started the company, everything's about business, about entrepreneur, venture capital. But the hard thing was a hard thing. That was a really difficult book for me to read. Um, the reason is every page echo how you feel. <laughs> and then so that, that's actually the book I put in my iPad. And every time I fly to conference, I will read them just as an encouragement. <laughs> and then and, and I remember that um, that there was a session they talk about um, how you think that um, the, the tough part is already passed but a new challenge is coming and the reason I said it's a very hard book for entrepreneurs to swallow is because you kind of think every day to day you think you're alone on this problem but then when you read the book they are spot on on everything but the problem is you go to conference you look at everybody around you they look so happy and bright so you don't see the problem <laughs> So, so I, but, but that book is actually tell, giving me a good perspective that as a founder, it doesn't matter how tough the journey is. It's more about mentality, like how you can actually think about the problem. As, like there's a saying that the things is never easy. You just get better. So how you can kind of smile and then you can be positive and just get through it. So I would say that it's the book that I haven't really finished because it's very hard to finish it, but it's a book I carry with me on iPad, I'll go to conference and look at it and feel like, okay, I'm not alone here. So that would be the book I am my favorite. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one for sure. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so your biggest lesson learned as a games company founder? Mm. Well, uh, that's also the hard one because I feel that there are many lessons I learned daily. So there's, it's hard to have a biggest one. I think, I think one of the biggest one I learned is to, um, I think this thing I just said was actually right on the point that things is never easy. You just get better. And, and I remember that, um, I'll tell you a little bit back story. So I actually went to art school, even though I had the chance to go to business school. One of the key reasons uh, when I was younger age was I don't want to deal with um, writing paper, Excel sheets, and I want to do with something more creative. And then here we go, where I am, I, do, I deal with most other things that I, I, I was, didn't sign up for. And, but the best part is I look back on myself and 
all the moment I was struggling, I realized every year I don't struggle as much. So probably the biggest lesson is um, um, there was never going to be an ending for a better situation, but it's more about how you look at things and how you can actually challenge yourself to be better. Um, so that might be my biggest lesson that there's no... Um, so for example, we have a little bit tough time raising funds in the past two years. And every time, end of year, Jonas and I, we have the kind of retrospective of the year. We always tell ourselves that this is probably the rock button that we have experienced. But the next year, we top that. <laughs> so, so in that sense, that you, you kind of, uh, okay, this is uh, what happened. And then you, you kind of start to learn, be more calmer, um, trying to find solution, and also keep the positive energy. <laughs> So I think that's the lesson I learned that nothing's going to get easier, but it's just how you look at things. Yeah. Yeah. I can relate to that for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Do, do you have like things that keep you up at night, even though it's definitely entrepreneur life isn't easy, but like, do you have specific things? I think keeping things at night is, um, there, there are multiple different things. Of course, as a founder, at one moment you're talking to investor, at one moment you're dealing with the team, growing the team, looking at roadmap. So you're like a, like a, the person who wear multiple different personalities. And I think what keeps me in night sometimes is um, I really appreciate our team because we, it hasn't been an easy journey. We're building a game that is really not existing. It's a very ambitious, challenging game with very little resource. Um, we have always run through the financial problem, but what kept me at night is um, I remember one time I was in conference and our team texted me that we, uh, we broke the microwave. And I was like, how do we broke the microwave? And when I really think about it, it was because our team has been microwave a lot. <laughs> and I would say that all the challenges not as heartbroken until you feel that, okay, I really need to break through to make the change of the life for everybody. So I think that's something that keep me, um, couldn't really sleep sometimes because you know that everybody trying the best and you are you're also, me and Jonas have, uh, for example, we didn't take salary for a year and a couple months. We know we have given our best, but you still feel that it's not enough. So that's something that uh, as a founder, it was pretty hard sometimes. But then you, you, as I said, that you don't want to show the the challenges side all the time to the team because you, they, I I would like them to believe that we have faith to go through. But there's a lot of moment that I'm juggling. That, okay, this situation was so tough, and I look at them and I look at our, ourselves. This is just too tough life, and do we really want to do this? But you cannot show that pondering all the time. Otherwise, why would they believe you to do continue work on this? So. I think that's the, the well-being of the team and the quality of life is something kept me in life, uh, kept me in night and thinking about it. Yeah. yeah, definitely. That's the quality of life, like kind of like stopping and reflecting. Yeah. It's sort of like hard to do when you're in the midst of everything's yeah. going especially, crazy. <laughs> yeah, especially you kind of ask yourself what else you can give, but there's you already done all you can. So yeah. That kind of um, without a, like I'm a very uh, solution oriented. If there's a problem, 
I can find solution, I'm very happy. It doesn't matter how hard the problem is. So this kind of more emotionally and also more uh, situation you cannot control, that really uh, get you sometimes. So what do you see like happening to the company in the next five years? What's the, the mission and the plan? Well, we definitely want to be um, kind of uh, taking the space of the social MMO. Uh, I think a lot of people think about MMO as more hardcore battling. We definitely feel that we want to combine the game and social into a platform where a player can actually freely build the world and trading and actually uh, interact with each other. And we do see that in the current uh, mobile space, uh, people are more on the opposite, opposite side where we want to be the master of that, to create a, a kind of like an um, amusement park. You get all the people together and then play the game, socializing and having fun with each other. So that's uh, our missions. The other thing is we definitely hope that we, uh, once we kind of take off with the game, we can actually uh, build a portfolio around this thesis. Um, and also we actually, one of the things that we, we did was we built our own IP. We, even though that hasn't been the focus of our uh, game, but we have a lot of fun story and the characters and we wish that those, um, the portfolio of the game, the success of the games can actually bring more that part to the audience and make them more engaged of the world that we're building. Stella, thanks a lot for this interview. It was super great and a lot of insights here for the listeners for sure. Uh, happy to have you on board in a year or two when, <laughs> when things have been moving forward. Yes, every year we just, you know, we cannot do everything the best, but one or two things better, then I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Thank you for so much. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. We'll be back next week with another interesting guest. In the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Joachim underscore A and check out our website at EliteGameDevelopers.com where you can find my book on starting and running a games company. See you next week. Ciao.